Most of you have been around our church long enough to know a little bit about me. You know that I grew up in the home of a general contractor. My dad has been in construction ever since he got out of the army. Uh, so uh, when I was born, he was already in the construction industry. Uh, many years ago, I remember him coming home telling my mom, we're starting our own company. And they did that. They started the Quillian Powell Construction Company in our living room and in our dining room. I remember they took out the dining room furniture and put two desks in there in front of the fireplace. And that's where they started that construction company. I asked my dad one day after he had started the business, how do you feel? He said, Ricky, I work longer hours, get paid less, and couldn't be happier. You know, there's just something about doing what God's called you to do. But these are blueprints, and it wouldn't surprise you to know that I grew up around blueprints. Uh, I, I didn't grow up around them enough to know how to read that much on them. But I, I, I found blueprints all over the house, or I'd find blueprints in my dad's work truck, or go to his office, and he'd have files of blueprints of jobs that they were working on, buildings that they were constructing. And blueprints remind you of not only what you're building, but how you're supposed to build it. And blueprints give you a guideline to follow. Blueprints help you. And I love building things, and I love watching things being built. I always enjoyed going with my dad to different job sites. In fact, when I was a, a teenager, I worked for my dad in the summers, and I remember helping him pour yards and yards and yards of concrete in the middle of the summer in Lake City, Florida. And I think it was then that I first felt called to preach. <laughs> oh, there's got to be an easier life than this. It was hard work, but I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed watching what he built. And now whenever we go through town or we'll go to different places, it's not unusual for my dad to point out what he's built. Yeah, I built that and we built that and years ago we did this project. It's just fun to see what he built. And here's why I'm telling you that. We also have a heavenly father who's in the building business. God is in the business of not only building this world he created, but he's in the business of building lives of helping you and me and the people that he created to have a better life than what sin has given us. In fact, God sent his son Jesus into the world to build something magnificent, something significant. But I think something which has fallen on hard times in these recent days. Jesus came into the world to build the church. And today I want to just stop and cast a little vision for you about who we are as a church and why it's important that you be a part of what God is doing at Fort Caroline. Maybe you're already a member and you're bought in and you're sold out and you're committed and you're faithful. This will be a good refresher course for you. Maybe you're a, a partner with us in membership here at Fort Caroline, but you've kind of gotten a little discouraged. Or maybe you've found yourself getting more and more detached from what God is doing through this church. I want to I reignite through the scriptures and I pray through the Holy Spirit your passion for what God is doing. And maybe you're on the periphery of our church and you're, you're not really sure about uh, where you are and what commitment you have. I'm going to boldly invite you today, commit your life to Christ and sell out to a local church, a local expression of the body of Christ. 
And then, of course, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you're not even sure what you believe about Jesus and you don't know what you believe about God and you, you certainly see a lot of stuff about the church that is not very attractive and can actually be off-putting. And we understand that. We have seen it as well. And that is not a reflection of the church that Jesus Christ is building. And so today, maybe even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll get a better understanding of what is the church and why it matters, and why it should matter to you. I want to share with you a few scriptures today. I've put them in our uh, outline for today on our website, but I've also decided to put them on the screen so it'll make it easier for you to follow along. But if you have your copy of God's Word, why don't you take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, because here we see Jesus emphatically declaring what He is building in this world and how it's being built, and upon what it's being built. And because of what Jesus says here, the church is anything but insignificant, inconsequential. The church is absolutely important in the life of followers of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has asked a question of his disciples. He, he asked them, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street about who I am? If he were living in our day, he would say, what's trending on Twitter about me? What, what's people's opinion about me? And so they start giving Jesus the answers of what they're hearing people say. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some say you're Elijah. Uh, you're one of the prophets. But then, listen to this, Matthew 16, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus commends Peter. He says, Peter, you're absolutely right. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one of God sent into the world to rule and to reign in righteousness. I am the one who has come to suffer and to die. For sinners. And you're not so smart that you figured this out on your own, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah. You didn't just read this in a book somewhere. This understanding of who I am has been spiritually revealed to you by God the Father in heaven. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And then he says in verse 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it jesus says peter i'm telling you you are peter in in the greek he said peter you are you are petros you're a little rock but upon this rock petra he's using a different word now upon this rock i will build my church and there's been a lot of speculation what is jesus saying when he says you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I know our Catholic friends say, Jesus is saying, Peter, upon you, uh, I'm going to build my church. You are the, the vicar of Christ. You're the, the, the first of the apostles. You're the first pope. But we Protestants have said, no, we think you're reading too much into the Scriptures if you think Jesus is referring to Peter. Because nowhere in the Scriptures does Peter ever proclaim, I am the foundation of the church. In fact, the Scriptures consistently proclaim, Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. He is the chief cornerstone. Everything is built upon Jesus. 
So what Jesus is saying is, Peter, you're a little rock, but I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, and this is the foundation of my church. I will build my church. It's built on me. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, if your heart is aligned with the heart of Jesus, then you will be interested in building what Jesus is building. You'll be consumed with a passion for what Jesus is passionate about. And Jesus is about the business of building his church. I will build my church, Jesus says. By the way, as your pastor of this local expression of the body of Christ, I'm grateful that Jesus said of himself, I will build my church because that lets me know where I fit in the whole equation. First of all, it is not my church. It's not any pastor's church. It's not any religious leader's church. It is not any denominational leader's church. It is not any church member's church. It is not any faction in the church's church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his, bought by his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. And he says, I will build my church. My job is not to build his church. My job is to get in line with what he is building and to be a part of what he is building. And that's your job as well, to be a part of what Jesus is building. And when he says, I will build my church, what is he referring to? Because in our modern day, we have, we have, we have too closely associated the church with a building, like the one many of you are in today. I say that because some of you are online. And we, we say, I'm going to go to church, and we mean I'm going to go to that building But is that what it means? Well, no. Actually, when Jesus says, I will build my church, he is saying, I'm going to build a movement of people called out of sin, called out of the world into an assembly of fellow followers of Jesus. In fact, I would put it this way. The church is a called out assembly of Christ followers. The church is a called out assembly of Christ followers. And the reason I picked that definition of the church to be called out is because that's the word that is used here in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus says, I will build my church. In the Greek, it is ekklesia. It's a composite word, ek, ek, which means from out of, and then klesia, which means an assembly. In fact, this was not a religious term when Jesus used it. It was a Greek word that would be used of any gathering of people in a specific assembly for a purpose. For example, it was often used in Greek culture to refer to when citizens in a Greek city-state would come together and they would have their council. And so all the citizens would assemble together and they would act on behalf of their state. It was an ecclesia called out into this assembly to represent a larger body. And Jesus just uses that word for the church. I will build my ecclesia. I'm calling men and women, boys and girls, out of sin, out of the bondage of sin, out of the world, into a new unity, an entity, my body, the body of Christ, the family of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is a called out assembly of Christ followers. It's not about a building. Sadly, at about the 13th century, the, the word that we get, the English word church, came into usage and it was defined as the house of the Lord. And so people started con- conflating 
the ecclesia, the church as Jesus intended it, with a building. And sadly, there are too many people who look at a denomination or they look at a building and they think that's the church, but that's not what Jesus came to build. Nothing wrong with buildings, by the way, but for the first 300 years of Christianity, it was not legal for Christians to have buildings. Christianity was illegal in the Roman Empire. Christians typically met in the temple before it was destroyed in A.D. 70 in Jerusalem, or they would meet in homes, in house churches. They didn't have buildings like we have today. And so I want to disabuse us of this notion that the church is a building because God forbid a hurricane come through Jacksonville, Florida and destroy this building. We are still the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are an assembly of called out followers of Jesus. We'll meet under the tree if we have to because the church is not this building. We are the church. But we're the church assembled. We're often the church scattered because we can't all stay here. And whenever we're not here, we're individual Christians. And we should reflect the values of Christ and His church in our community. But there is something about the church assembling together. And one of the things that has made the last year and a half so difficult is that we have been in a pandemic, and by the way, still are. Many people are still suffering the effects of COVID-19. Friends of mine have died. I have two pastor friends in the hospital this morning, and their families have said it does not look like they're going to make it. And these are people my age or younger this pandemic is not over. And one of the hard things has been not being able to gather like we used to up until recent times. And even then, many people are still not able to gather because they're vulnerable. And that's why we have a, an online streaming option because we want to stay engaged with people. We want to share the good news with our community and actually people around the world. We've got people who will check us out from around the world. And so that's exciting to see. But there's something about when it's the normal course of activity that Christians gather. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because I'm afraid that many Christians have gotten in the habit of not gathering. And even though they could gather, they choose not to gather. They say, you know, I'll just watch it on TV. I'll stay in my pajamas. I can watch it from my phone in a deer stand. And, and I, I, you know, I'll, just, I'll do church alone. That's not church. It's worship, it's getting a message, it's staying engaged. But the ideal picture of what Jesus is saying is, I will build my called out assembly of followers in this world. That they're distinct and they do get together. Now, I don't want to make you think it's just something I'm making up. Listen to how the church is described in the book of Acts, for example. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47 says, All who believed were, what's the word? together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple what's the word together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts so do you see the picture they were getting together in the temple for large group worship and for evangelizing the lost and then they would get together during the week in smaller groups in homes. People think that Fort Caroline is strange that we gather in worship on a Sunday morning, but we also have many people that gather during the week in small groups in homes. 
They say, oh, that's strange, that's weird, that's dangerous. No, it's New Testament Christianity. In fact, as your pastor, I doubt we will ever spend another dime on building education space for adults. You know why? Because you've already built it. It's called your living room. If we're just going to come and use your living room, it's a whole lot cheaper than building millions of dollars worth of buildings that sit empty for hours and days during the week. And we see the pattern in the New Testament church. They gathered in large group for worship, but they also gathered during the week in small groups in homes. And they had the communion together. And it says that uh, not only did they uh, gather together, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When you get saved, the Lord adds you to his church, to his called out assembly of Christ followers. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Acts chapter 20 verse 7, on the first day of the week. In other words, on Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread. In other words, have communion, have fellowship. Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. Don't ever complain, I preach too long. People accuse me of only working one day a week, and then they complain if I work overtime on that one day. But Paul went to midnight. In fact, if you keep reading the story, somebody fell asleep, fell out of a window, and died. And God raised them from the dead. Uh, what a church service that was. They never forgot that service. And then Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 the writer of Hebrews says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We are to consider how to provoke one another in the body of Christ. Not to provoke each other with anger. Not to provoke each other with political hate and division. We're to learn how to provoke one another to love and to good works. That when I interact with you in the body of Christ and you interact with me in the body of Christ, we ought to be more motivated than ever before to love God and to love other people and to serve our world as representatives of Jesus Christ. And then he reminds them and he, he warns them in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Day, capital D. This is referring to the day of the Lord. The day that Jesus Christ, who came the first time to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin, will come the second time to rule and to reign in righteousness and to make all wrong right. And on that day, all will stand before him and give an account. And as we see that day approaching, as it gets closer and closer, we ought to be getting together more and more when it's possible. That doesn't mean that there aren't going to be seasons where the church can't gather. Maybe because of illness. There are Christians right now who are meeting in China in secret because it is against the law for them to meet outside of an approved government church. But the tendency of Christians must always be to gather together. Why? Because that's what the word church means. That's what the ecclesia is. It is a called out assembly of Christ followers. You go public with your faith. Not only through baptism, but by identifying with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The second thing I want to mention to you is the church is a called out assembly of Christ followers who are on a mission. This is important too. The church is a called out assembly of Christ followers who are on a mission. If you've been around church any length of time, you've heard what's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus sent out his disciples into the world with a job to do. You'll read it in one version in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, Now remember, he's been crucified, buried, and resurrected. He's the victorious Lord. He says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, I am sending you out on a mission. And I have the authority to send you out. You see these scars in my hands, in my feet, in my side. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me as the Son of God, victorious over death. And with my authority, I commission you. You don't go out on your own authority. You go out on my authority. I commission you, go. And as you go, make disciples. Tell people who I am, what I've done on the cross of Calvary, what I've done through the empty tomb. And you call people to repent of their sin, put their faith in me, become one of the followers of Jesus. And whenever people say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, you baptize them. That word baptizo means to immerse underwater. That's why we baptize people. It's not because we're Baptist. We baptize people because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. He says, if you want to be a follower, put on the jersey. Put on the team uniform of one of my followers, which is baptism, which symbolizes the death of Jesus on the cross, his burial in that tomb, and his resurrection on the third day. And through our faith in Christ, we were crucified with him, buried with him, and raised spiritually to walk in a new life. All of that is wrapped up in a beautiful symbol called baptism. And so we baptize people. Maybe that's the next step for someone today. But you've already trusted Jesus, but you've not yet been baptized by immersion. You need to take that step of obedience as Jesus commands. And we're not done once a person gets baptized. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Now we have to disciple them, help them to understand who Jesus is, what he said, understand the scriptures so that they can live for him, teaching them to obey everything I've said. And Jesus gives this great promise. And listen, I'm with you, he said, always, even to the end of the age. No matter what you're going through, I am with you. You remember in Matthew 16, Jesus had this interesting statement Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The word for hell means the place of the dead. Jesus is referring to death itself. And he said, not even death itself can overcome the church that I am building. Whose death was he referring to? Well, first of all, he's referring to his own death. I'm building my movement. And not even death can stop it. And they didn't fully appreciate his words until after they saw him resurrected from the dead. And they realized he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And not even death could defeat him. We are on the winning side. 
when we are on the side of Jesus. But he was also referring to our deaths as well. Not even the gates of hell, not even the death of our Savior, not even the death of every saint of God will stop the work of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's built on the resurrected Jesus. All of these apostles need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the foundation. He's the living Lord. He is the one who rose from the dead and he is with them no matter what they go through. Most of them are going to die before it's all said and done as martyrs for their faith. All but the Apostle John. John got to live into his ripe old age as the last living apostle. But the others died for their faith. And even John was banished to the Isle of Patmos by a Roman emperor. And Jesus is saying, I don't know what you're going to suffer. I don't care. I should say what you're going to suffer. Even to the point of death, it will not defeat my church. I'm with you. The living, resurrected Lord. So he put us out here in this world on a mission to make disciples. In Fort Caroline Baptist Church, I will never, never, never seek to lead us in a way that obscures the mission that Christ has called us to. Because in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The disciples were arguing about which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom and who gets to be served by who. And Jesus says, time out. That's not the kind of kingdom I'm building. In my kingdom, greatness is not measured in how many people serve you. In my kingdom, greatness is measured in how many people you serve. And then he pictured himself, for the Son of Man did not come into the world to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. And why did he do it? Because he came to seek and to save the lost. But churches often become country clubs for comfortable Christians. We become cruise ships rather than battleships on a mission to rescue the lost. And to point people to Jesus. And I've discovered something about my life and about perhaps yours and about churches. When we take our eyes off the mission Jesus gave us, we begin to major on minors. I don't mean minor children. We begin to major on minor issues. We start fighting and fussing and complaining over things that don't matter in the light of eternity. We start arguing over our personal preferences and who gives more money and who's been here longer and my life group doesn't like it. And all the while, who is standing up saying, we're here for the lost yeah, the church is for us, but it's not about us. Yeah, the church loves us, but it's not about us. It is about the people who have yet to be reached with the gospel of Jesus. It's about those who are far from God. And yet when we get our eyes off the mission, we start majoring on minors, and we allow politics to divide us. And we allow personal preferences to divide us. And the devil is seeking to divide the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to distract us from our mission, 
and to discourage us and say, why even be a part of a church? And if we give in to Satan, we have forgotten the mission that Jesus has given us. That's why uh, a year ago I shared with you that our vision as a church, this isn't everything we're going to do. This isn't all the totality of our ministries and focus as a church. But if we don't get this right, nothing else matters. That we at Fort Caroline Baptist Church are one church passionately united and focused on reaching the spiritually lost in our community through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be willing to charge hell with a water pistol to reach one more person with the good news of Jesus Christ. And whatever sacrifice we have to make, whatever inconvenience we have to give up and endure, we ought to be willing to do it, to be on mission with Christ. Because the majority of people in our community, let's not talk about the world right now, let's talk about your neighbors, your family members, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, the people that you do life together with, the majority of them do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And we don't think that's acceptable as a church. We believe we must tell them about Jesus. And we're going to do our dead level best. We're going, to, we're going to do a couple of things. First of all, we're going to celebrate and mentor those whose lives have been transformed by the love of Jesus. We are on a mission to equip 2,025 of our members to bless their neighbors in personal evangelism and just being the good news to their neighbor. We're trusting God for 250 people to come to faith in Christ and to be baptized. And yes, we have committed to a multi-generational single style of worship service that is compelling to a new generation that desires to be loved and mentored by the older generations. Many of you don't realize this, but in the next service, many of our senior adults will gather and go through the same worship experience that you do in this service. Right now, they're in their life groups and they're studying the Bible together. And when they get done, they come in here. And I am so proud of them because they are being a part of the movement of God at Fort Caroline to be a multi-generational church that's focused on the next generation so that when we're dead and gone, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still active and represented here in this community. And we're also going to do a second thing. We're going to expand our reach and impact in Jacksonville. We are investing 10,000 volunteer hours and $100,000 in community partners right here in our city. And by the way, in the first year of this vision, you've already given $35,000 towards that $100,000 by helping rescue women from human sex trafficking through our partnership with the ministry called Her Song. Thank you for that. You are making a difference. Her song has now, because we have helped them, opened up a second home uh, to house women who are rescued out of trafficking. And they're looking, if they haven't already done it, to start a third. I'm so excited about that. We're also going to build in the next few years, Lord willing, a new worship center. And we're going to, this is what we said last year, we're going to plant two new churches. We've only got nine acres here. We've only got nine acres and we're surrounded by homes. So are we going to say, well, we just can't grow. 
No, we're going to plant new churches. And we said, in the next five years, we're going to plant two new churches. Guess what? You've already planted two new churches in a year of a worldwide pandemic. You planted one church of Jacksonville Beach that is now merged with First Baptist Church of Jacksonville Beach. And you've planted the Shalom Christian Congregation, our Spanish church that meets on our property every Sunday next door. I think we ought to give God a hand for that. Amen? So exciting. So exciting. As a matter of fact, I was, I was thinking last night about what God's done in this year and a half of a worldwide pandemic that I never got trained for in seminary how to navigate through. What, what has God done through this church? And, and I ran out of room on this piece of paper. This year already, you've baptized 15 people who've gone public with their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's give God a hand for them. 20 people have said, I want to be a member of that church, and they have become official members of Fort Caroline Baptist Church. We've started two churches. We've given over $35,000 to rescue women from human trafficking. You've given approximately, this is in a year and a half, you've given $186,000 to missions in Florida and around the world to help start churches, to help revitalize dying churches, to provide disaster relief, and to provide food. $186,000 in a year and a half out to our missionaries who are loving people in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? You've got a hand for that. I think that's worthy of giving God a hand for. I don't know if you know this because we don't brag about it, but you've fed hundreds of families in the last year and a half through our partnership with Arlington Community Services, which feeds the hungry in our community. We give them food and money every month without fail. We've done it for years. We are a key part of that ministry to our community. And we partnered with the Florida Baptist Convention in giving out free boxes of food to hungry families during the pandemic. You've ministered to approximately 42 grieving families who have lost loved ones in this last year and a half, and I officiated most of those funerals. Many of those families are not connected to our church. They just needed a church, and we said, we're here for our community. You minister to many senior adult homebound and hospitalized church members every single week. You provide benevolence assistance to several church families who are going through difficult times right now. You sponsor support groups that help people with addictions, divorce, grief, different kind of family crises. You support a five-star academy called the Fort Caroline Baptist Academy. And you've got church members who most of us don't realize every Monday night they gather on our property and they knit or crochet hundreds of baby blankets for children born in our local hospitals, Blankets for people taking chemotherapy treatments and hats for people taking chemotherapy treatments. Hats for nurses so that when they're on shift, they can have a head covering. And masks by the thousands during this pandemic. That's what you're doing when the lights aren't on on a Sunday morning. And of course, you've been streaming these services. Thank God for the people who made our technology possible overnight. We said, we're going to stream services one day when we build a new building. And God says, no, I don't think so. I think you're going to do it now. And we had to shut down on March 15th and move everything online overnight. And our volunteers made it happen. And you've invested. Amen. Give them a hand. 
and you've invested thousands of dollars to provide the equipment that they needed to reach people who couldn't be with us on a Sunday morning and to be an outreach to people that we have yet to meet. The church is a called out assembly of Christ followers who are on a mission. And then I've got to close with this. Unless y'all want to go to midnight, I'm going to close with this. The church is a called out assembly of baptized Christ followers who are on a mission together. Listen, we're in this together. We need one another. And I need you to be a part of what God is doing here at Fort Caroline. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, Paul uses the analogy of a human body to picture the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spiritual body of Christ. He says, for just as the body is one, we all know that, you're just one body, and has many members, we all know that, you've got one body, but you've got many body parts, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Paul says, we're one, folks. The world wants to divide us, male, female, Jew, Gentile, free, slave, black, white, Republican, Democrat, American, or whatever, and we want to divide up over that. The reason the church is the hope of the world is because it's only in the church as Jesus is building it brings men and women from various backgrounds and all kinds of differences together in one body. And when the world sees it, it gets their attention. And you, you may not feel like you're a significant part of the body. Well, I'm just an eye. What do you mean you're just an eye? The body needs you. Well, I'm just an ear. What do you mean just an ear? The body of Christ needs you. Well, I'm just a senior adult, or I'm just a new person, or I'm just a teenager, or I'm just a child who's trusted Jesus, and I'm not important. Or I've got my hurts, and I've got my hang-ups, and I've got my habits that I'm still struggling with. I'm not important. What are you saying If you have trusted Jesus, He chose you to be a part of the body of Christ. And the whole body needs you. This church needs you. Can I just be honest? Some of you, you're a little more extroverted. And the Lord knew we needed you. Others of you are more introverted. You would die if we asked you to get up and pray out loud. Or to teach a class. Or or to stand on the stage. We need you. Some of you are very bashful and reserved. Some of you are a little on the crazy side. And the Lord knew we needed all of you in the body of Christ because we are better together. And this is why I have preached until my dying breath. I will preach that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a white 
church. It is not a black church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ where people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every ethnic group are being added into the body of Christ. And around here, the only color that matters is the crimson blood of Jesus. That's all that matters. And we need you. And when you're not functioning like Christ has called you to function, when you're not committed, when you're not doing your part in the whole body of Christ, everybody suffers. It's called disease when something's not right in your body. It's a disease. It's dis-ease. Something's not right. In this world, if it's ever needed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, pointing people to our Savior, it is today And we need you. We're a military town. We're a Navy town. So let me put it in in terms that some of you will get. All hands on deck. Everyone to his stations. We need you. And how can you support what God is doing? How can you play your part? Well, first of all, you need to pray. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your staff. Pray for your fellow church members. Pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ will go forth in boldness. Pray. The blessings of God will reach the level of our prayer lives. We need to be men and women of prayer. I'm going to also ask you to serve. Roll up your sleeves. Get involved somewhere and serve. Volunteer. Help out. Contribute. You can go to our website if you want to know how to serve or just fill out a form that says, I'm interested. Help me find my place. We will help you. We also are going to ask you boldly, give financially. Give financially. Listen, everybody else asks for your money, and none of that is going to last for eternity. But what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is doing will last for eternity as we reach men and women with the gospel of Jesus. If you want to have an internal investment, an eternal return on your investment, eternal dividends, then invest in the work of Christ through this local church. Give. Some of you need to up your giving. Did that come out right? Yeah, you need to up your giving. It sounded crude for a moment. You need to increase your giving. For some of you, you just need to start. You love this church, but you're not financially partnering. And if you're able, you need to start. If you're not able and you're hurting and you need help, you need to let us know. We can't do everything and fix every problem, but the body of Christ is here to help you if you have a need in your life. And we're going to ask you to invite Invite others to come and be a part of what God is doing. Invite others to watch the message online. Share the messages on social media. Give out the the little cards that we, we ask you to use to invite people. And say, I'd love to have you come and hear what God is doing. So I'm going to ask you, will you recommit, not to me, not to Fort Caroline Baptist Church, but to the church that Jesus is building? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you and praise you for your word today. And we thank you, Jesus. It is your church built on your own sacrificial life and resurrected life. And we thank you for bringing us to be a part of the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus, when we turned from our sin and believed in you as our Lord and our Savior. Father, it's by your grace, not because we've earned it or deserve it, by your grace. We're a part of the body of Christ, and thank you. 
God, we thank you that you didn't just put us in the body of Christ to be consumers where church is all about us. You put us in the body of Christ to be contributors where we are doing our part and the whole body strengthened and healthier as a result as we pull together as one body, as one local expression of the body of Christ here at Fort Caroline. Father, I thank you for the people that love you and they're still here It's been a difficult year and a half, but they love you, God, and they're committed to what you're doing in their lives and in this church, and they want to be a part of it. I pray that you would help them by your Holy Spirit to be renewed. And Father, for those that need to take a next step to trust Jesus, to become a partner with us in membership, to begin giving or to find a place of service or to begin inviting other people, Father, whatever that next step is, I pray that you would help them to take it now, now. And we'll praise you, God. Now, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe today you realize for the first time in your life you've been hearing all this talk about being a part of the body of Christ and being Christ's followers and people who have turned from their sin and believed in Jesus. And you realize that's not you. But today you want it to be you. I want us to have a prayer as we close. And maybe this will be your prayer where you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're in the room or watching online. In fact, I'm going to do something we don't usually do. I want all of you to pray out loud after me. This may help someone who needs to take this next step of trusting Jesus. So I want you to pray out loud after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you died for me on the cross. And God raised you from the dead. And you promised... If I would just simply believe in you, my sin would be forgiven and I would have eternal life. Today, Jesus, I ask for forgiveness of my sin and I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand. Amen. Praise God. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you mean it, let me know. Leave a comment below. Go to our website, fcbc.life, and let me know by using that Connect card that today you committed your life to Jesus. God bless you guys. I love you, and I pray you have a blessed week.